August 23, 2019, San Francisco. The Sales Development Conference, the third annual conference focused and dedicated 100% to sales development. Join over 500 of the most influential sales development leaders in our industry for a full day of learning, networking, and growing your skills. This year, we're offering three learning tracks focused on sales development leadership, rep training, and our newest track dedicated to sales and marketing operations. Grab your tickets today before it sells out over at 10bound.com conference. That's 10bound.com conference. See you August 23rd. CRM has been proven to limit sales reps' responsiveness, persistency, and cadence. It's a design flaw, and it's losing you deals. That is why today's sales leaders use sales engagement platforms like VanillaSoft. Check it out. Go to VanillaSoft.com and start your free trial. Hello, hello, everybody. Welcome to another edition of the Sales Development Podcast. I am really excited to get my next guest on the show. I've heard great things about Jenny Poor, the Senior Sales Development Manager over at Sprout Social. Jenny, how are you doing today? I'm doing pretty well, although nice and cozy inside. I hear, I hear. You know, by the time this airs, hopefully the storm will be passed, but Chicago, Chicago land is getting hammered right now by freezing cold temperatures. Yeah, that's exactly right. It is literally negative 50 real feel, which means the wind chill is really the problem. And as far as I know, this is the coldest day ever in Chicago history. So we're really, you know, charting new territory. My entire team is remote today and hopefully everybody's just, you know, making those dials at home and staying cozy. Oh my gosh. Okay, everybody, you heard it here first. Okay, Jenny is home in this huge storm making the time to share her wisdom with us on the Sales Development Podcast. So we are very grateful that you could make it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Anytime. Yeah, I mean, I, I've been so excited to talk with you. I was actually recommended to speak with you because you are doing amazing things on the inbound side. And that's something that, you know, we don't talk about as much here on the show. It's mostly, you know, how to scale outbound and, and forge those kind of conversations. But before we get started, can you tell us a little bit about yourself and how you got into sales development as a career? Yeah, absolutely. So I started my career like a lot of people. You know, I think this is pretty typical of a talk track for any salesperson. You don't really go to school thinking, I'm going to go be a salesperson. And I'm, I'm happy to, that that's actually now kind of changing, that a lot of schools and universities are adding sales into their curriculum. But that definitely wasn't the case for me. So I graduated during the recession, like a lot of other people, and really stumbled into an awesome sales opportunity for a startup here in Chicago that was selling perks and benefits software and kind of onboarding large companies into those programs. And I think they took a chance on me. Honestly, I did not have a ton of training or really kind of any vision for what I wanted my career to look like. And kind of through the, the trial and error process, realized that I loved sales. I found it to be strategic. I liked the process of it. I liked the creativity of it. Obviously, every day was not a breeze, but I, I really identified that like sales was something that I was excited about pretty early on. So I was pretty lucky to do that. And then I moved into a sales consulting role, actually. So I had the opportunity to work for a gentleman by the name of Craig Wartman. He teaches at the MBA level here in Chicago, but he has his own sales consulting firm called Sales Engine. And for the next five years, I basically feel like I got 
what I call like a mini MBA. We were consulting with companies that were in growing phases. So very close to where Sprout Social is today, the company that I work for. So learned a lot thinking about, you know, who you need to hire, what kind of leadership you need, how you get an inbound and an outbound engine running, what type of marketing really needs to be in place, those types of things. And at the end of that stint in consulting, I really identified that I wanted something that was like way more indicative of the effort that I was putting in. Consulting is weird because you're ultimately going into a company, inserting yourself for you know anywhere between a quarter to a year, and hopefully walking away with some recommendations that they can put in place themselves. And I wanted something that was more input to output and recognize that I wanted to go back into a sales role as an, as an IC. So I found Sprout Social. I was super interested in social media at the time and kind of tech in general and took on a BDR role, actually. So I started as a BDR at Sprout for one of our product lines and had the opportunity to move into leadership about two years ago. So now I lead a team of 10 sales development representatives who are all focused on that inbound engine. So really living it day in and day out and kind of thinking about the interplay between inbound and outbound, which is kind of interesting for our company today. Okay, I want to talk about that because I think that there's huge opportunities in a lot of companies to really focus on their inbound process and and optimize it. And it sounds like you've made some great progress there. But really quickly, on the consulting that you did, that that's really interesting. So this individual, you know, was doing consulting with companies. And what what kind of projects and what was like a day in the life for you as a consultant in that in that realm? Yeah, yeah. So Our projects really were focused on, there were a lot of larger companies that would bring us in that had kind of an entrepreneurial mindset or kind of a startup mindset within their companies. So it could be like a new product line. It could be a leadership opportunity where they really wanted to have like a leadership curriculum around that entrepreneurial mindset, for instance. And so a lot of that, the day-to-day, honestly, in consulting, as you might be aware, is is really trying to figure out day-to-day what you should be working on. Projects don't always kind of come to you on an even basis like an inbound engine does. And so you have to think about, okay, how am I prioritizing my billing hours across clients? When am I traveling? We travel across the country. We had a large client that actually sent us to Madrid and some other cities in Europe for us to work on those things. So the day in the life really was totally different. Every day was working on a new business challenge. So when I say that I, I feel like I got a mini MBA, I, I genuinely believe that, not only because Craig teaches at the MBA level, but because the questions and the problems that we were thinking about on a daily basis were in real time and like ones that like we were you know, trying to solve. And so you would do your, I am really interested in this because that's kind of what I do to kind of pay the bills here at 10 pounds, but we're just for sales development. But, and so you, you guys would work on these projects for a while and then you would set the client up for success. So you'd give them the strategy and the tactics that you worked out and then you give it to them, but then you would go to another client and leave it to them to implement, right? Yeah, just depending on the project. Some projects would really have like a long-term engagement where we were responsible for implementing them, but primarily it was a recommendation and then, you know, a quarterly check-in to just make sure that those were in alignment. Got it. Okay. Interesting. And then, so, but you wanted something you wanted something more, you know, that you could sink your teeth into at an actual company. So you went to Sprout. Walk us through like how you, you know, you were doing the the BDR, SDR role, and then you worked your way up the chain and used those skills to create the inbound program that you have today. 
Yeah, for sure. So at its core, Sprout is, you know, for the product, we believe that social media is non-negotiable for modern businesses. So the product really takes the publishing engagement and analytics and also advanced listening and employee advocacy out of the hands of, you know, the likes of somebody that wants to post directly on those social profiles. So it really aggregates all of that for you. We've got 25,000 customers. So we're really, we're really in a growth phase right now and, and reaching new prospects and customers every single day. So when I think about my background as a BDR, I think, I think that the, the mindset around like being strategic and creative on a daily basis is something that is an awesome place to be. I often think about like even the BDRs that we have at Sprout Social as like these people that are on the front lines, they are constantly trying new things. They think really intelligently about what they're doing, why they're doing it, who they're talking to, why they want to talk to that person. And I think BDR is a really cool place to launch your career, not only in tech, but potentially in other, other outbound roles, right? Because you can build out that brand that feels very different than just kind of being in more of like an account management role and nothing against success. But I just think that there's so much to say, you know, I have not, I have brought this opportunity in because marketing can only do so much. And I also did all of my research to identify that this person would be be an ideal customer for the company. And so it's just kind of like this cool place where I feel like I proved myself out and thinking about additional product lines and services that we offer built my brand up internally, and then honestly just had some amazing leaders that identified some things in me that I did not even really recognize. I think that's really important when we think about how to identify, you know, roles for SDRs and BDRs and even for account executives, especially within tech, because, you know, my my director at the time basically said, you know, we've been looking for this role for quite a while, and it seems like you have a knack for management and leadership in general. So if you're open to the idea, we'd love to talk to you about really taking on more of a leadership role. So I hope that answers your question. I just think that there's there's so much that you can do as an SDR and PDR to, to demonstrate that you're you're hungry for some types of opportunities. And, and then you honestly just need to find the leaders that are going to help identify those things in you when you might not do it yourself. Yeah, that's such an interesting point because a lot of SDRs or BDRs might leave a company because they just don't feel like they have any opportunities or that their leaders are really interested in them, you know, and developing them as a person. And I, I think people are like leaders are really missing an opportunity because everyone has something of value, you know, otherwise they wouldn't have gotten a job at the company, I don't think, unless they're on some kind of they're having trouble with their performance. But, you know, if you can if you can work with people, draw out their strengths and potentially help them to develop their career, they're going to stick around and be more productive, I would think. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, we think a lot about this at Sprout in particular. And I, I think I'm just lucky to be a part of a leadership team in a company that's super intentional about the types of opportunities that we can and should be giving our people. I think the other side of it that we all also talk a lot about, and it's been really cool to have, you know, talent flow through SDR, BDR, and then on to our account executive teams that can come in and coach back to our new hires, really, like within their first couple of months and say, you know, this is really kind of how I got to the level that I'm at. And this is what you can do to kind of make that a repeatable process for you. The interesting thing I think that came out of some of those conversations that we've had recently is to say, like, you're an SDR or BDR at a really cool company. You're selling a really cool product. 
there is no shortage of resources and you can really make this path for yourself as opposed to going to work for a company that may be a little bit more rigid. And I just think that that's such a tremendous opportunity that if we don't really kind of tell these you know, salespeople that are, are super hunger, hungry for that type of opportunity, that they actually do have that opportunity, then they will leave. I think it's hard because they're, they could be one to three years into their professional experience in general. And so sometimes making light of that is also really important. Yeah. And it also, also that you brought up the role of the company. I mean, if the company doesn't have opportunities, then it becomes tough. But if you can find, it's tough when you're, when you're out in the market as a SDR or BDR looking for a job, because it's like a combination of a lock. You want the right company that has you know, growth opportunities, you, you have to have the right leadership. And then you also have to be somewhat I- interested in the product. And it seems like you, you lined up all three of those combination to find, to find your current situation. Yeah. Yeah. That's, I think amazing. that's exactly right. Yeah. <laughs> and then, and then, so you were doing the job and then were you always an inbound rep and, and then you took over that or did they put you in charge of the outbound program? And then you went from there. Or the inbound program, yeah. Yeah, that's a really interesting question. It's definitely not typical. It's definitely not a typical path, I would say, into sales development. But I was was acting as a BDR. And then at the time, about two and a half years ago, we started to think about really revving up that inbound engine. Sprout Social is a trial model. So historically, we had uh, really thought about generating trials, free 30-day trials for our prospects to try and then converting them from there. And so we had generated historically a ton of content and a ton of leads, but had not really thought about what that inbound qualification should look like, which is kind of crazy. We're nine years into the business. We really have have grown because of that inbound trial model. Not until two years ago did we think about building out a proper inbound team. So my director at the time when I was a BDR, said, I actually need you to function as an inbound rep and an outbound rep at the same time, which historically, and I think even today is incredibly difficult to do. I don't recommend it. (laughs) Um, But I think once I did that, and then we started to hire more inbound reps, the need really was for proper management and leadership of those sales reps. Yeah, I, I think, you know, you, you mentioned one thing that a lot of companies, when they're first starting out, they try to have them do both. But it's such a different motion, isn't it? I mean, I mean, as far as inbound versus outbound, I mean, you could almost take it, it's almost like a different type of personality who's better at one or the other. But it is a different motion. So they, they broke it out to inbound. You were getting all these trials and inbound leads and things like that. So they broke it out. And then how did you evolve it and set up the program so that it became successful? Wow. Yeah, that's that's a big question. <laughs> you know, looking back on it, I, I definitely think that we made we made mistakes along the way. I don't think that anybody is really in a position to build out a team, especially between inbound and outbound in a really fast growing company like Sprout and look back and say, we did everything that we wanted to do and we would do it the same way over again. I think we we made some mistakes when it came to really thinking about what that different motion should look like between SDR and BDR. So we had some reps that we promoted really quickly to BDR because we identified that we also wanted to prioritize going outbound and bringing in logos that weren't coming in through the inbound funnel. And so that I think you're right that mindset between those two is so so different. So just to say that you know, if you have an SDR that's super productive and, and performing really well on the inbound side, 
you've got to really think intentionally about how to prepare them for that cold calling situation where they've got to fight for every single meeting that they get. And so as we did that, we grew the outbound side and then really just prioritized a lot of process on the inbound side. You know, in sales development in particular, when you think about inbound, you're living in this really interesting intersection, at least for me, between marketing, sales and operations. It's really interesting to kind of think about the relationship between those three parties within a really fast growing tech company. So obviously you can't have one without the other. You can't have an inbound engine without SDRs really. And you can't really do all of that without a really great operational mindset and some, some decent process set in place. So I'm really lucky to have a ton of marketing partners and operations partners that really make it all work. It's really kind of a constant collaborative environment that we have at Sprout. And and that's definitely something that I'm even more excited to think about in 2019, how we can really get this inbound engine humming a little bit more and reduce some of the noise that, that our reps really have to deal with. And so when I think about the communication that we have, we have monthly pipeline meetings that are focused on segments. With marketing, we also have a segment team. So if our a small and medium-sized business marketing team is really focused on a specific campaign that will ultimately impact my team, I really have my ear to the ground and understand the things that we are going to be receiving or how the conversations might differ. Because those conversations for one of my reps between an SDR demo, like our SMB demo request and an enterprise trial are dramatically different. And it's actually asking a lot of an early sales rep to, to flex and have that amount of leverage in their conversations in a way that they don't treat every conversation the same way. On the process side, I would say that this is, this is a constant thing that we, we really think about at Sprout as well, that you, again, need a decent amount of process set in place so that it is a repeatable model, that you're not just kind of treating these one-off system errors or problems that you're coming across as, as one-offs, they actually collectively increase a lot of noise on the SDR's plates. And so I really see my function as really trying to reduce a lot of that. I focus a lot as a leader on efficiency. I think efficiency is really how you get a team humming and, and understanding kind of the impact that those small changes can make. And so overall, I would just say, you know, the relationship that you have as an SD leader with marketing and operations is one that you can't take lightly. It's actually that you should be talking to them every day. I certainly do. I find it really important to understand a day in the life of a marketer, especially at a company that sells social media software. I want to talk with somebody that really is thinking about the marketing tech stack as well. And so really, that's kind of how I see the intersection between those three things. Are you in sales, but you're not using a sales engagement tool? then you're probably losing out on revenue because you are not engaging with prospects at the right time, with the right cadence, and with enough persistency. You need VanillaSoft. Start your free trial today. Go to VanillaSoft.com. Got it. And what I see a lot with companies is they'll have a really well-oiled machine on the marketing side, and they're producing a lot of, a lot of leads that are coming in. And then it kind of goes into a black hole, and it's it's hard to know how you can tie the marketing activities to the pipeline that's being produced. And it's hard to get reporting for what the sales 
development rep is actually doing in that scenario. And and so how how do you look at it from a high level as a manager of how well the inbound program is doing? And, you know, what are some of the ways that you monitor that? Yeah. Reporting, I think that could be an entirely different hour of a podcast with you, David. We definitely could, <laughs> could go at a great length to talking <laughs> about that type of stuff. I think that, you know, once you have those partners really in the room together and understanding the impact, again, of those small changes, it actually becomes a little easier to think about. Obviously, it's easier on the inbound side than it is on outbound. We measure a lot of different things. Just from a like a, a rep efficiency standpoint, we talk a lot about time to touch. So sense of urgency, we want to make sure that we're placing a phone call on those inbound leads as soon as we possibly can. We're super lucky to have a really healthy inbound funnel. So that also, you know, you have to think about capacity. So when I think about the funnel, a lot of times what I really need to understand is where is that tipping point where, you know, marketing is going to be generating, you know, call it 2x or, you know, 50% more demo requests, how is that actually going to impact our conversion rates? And does that mean that I actually need to hire a couple more representatives to maintain that funnel? We've seen a lot of testing kind of happen. We've done a lot of testing on our website that can impact capacity. And so that's something that you always have to keep your pulse on. Do you have enough people to really respond to these things? And then I think also internally, we've talked a lot, and I, I think a lot about this along with peers at other companies, is to say, you know, you know, I mentioned before that we're not appointment setters, we're not order takers, we're not just there to make the process difficult for a prospect. We we see ourselves as honestly saving a lot of time, not only in qualifying and unqualifying, but making sure that they have a really great experience along the way. And so internally, we talk about, you know, there is a, a certain amount of active pursuit that's going after those things that needs to be communicated so that the SDR isn't really just seen as, well, you know, the, the classic argument between marketing and sales is like, well, we're generating all this stuff. You know, why is it not turning into pipeline? And one of the things that I think has really helped us is I've done a lot of teachbacks internally. And what that looks like is really just like a roadshow is what we call it. And it's also run with every single new hire that we have come through the sales and success organizations, where you basically say, this is the day in the life of an SDR. This is what they're doing for you. This is the, the value that they have at the company. This is ultimately where they see themselves in their career and what they can learn from you as an account executive, for example, and then also how they get paid. There's a lot of intricacies when it comes to, you know, they're getting credit for meetings that are happening and then the revenue that's closing for those things. And if we don't have proper alignment on process and then also just logistics within Salesforce, for instance, then you're going to see a lot of problems. So I think at a high level, there's there's so many things that you could look at. The hard part is trying to decide which ones are the ones that are important to your business and which ones, when you start to see them slip, like conversion rates, for instance, like you need to have kind of a mindset of I'm going to figure out what's happening here before it really becomes a problem when it comes to pipeline. It is very complicated because you sit between all these different departments and they all have different needs and different goals, and they're trying to strive for different things. And one one thing I see a lot in, especially on the sales side, is that they they don't know what the SDRs are doing with the inbound leads. And they're just kind of confused about what they're doing and what the process is and things like that. So I like your idea about the teachbacks and, you know, what, like, how do you communicate 
what you're doing and how it's supporting the other departments, those meetings, you've got the teach backs, those are pretty effective for you? Yeah, I would say those those two are, are pretty foundational and critical to people understanding the impact of sales development in general. I also think that in a company that moves as fast as Sprout does, and this is this is really for all of SaaS and tech in general, is that you've got the tools really to think about communicating those things back. We've invested in tools like Gong, for instance, that you know the SDR is really actively following a sales cycle once they pass it off to an account executive. And then we hope, and this has really just been like a regular occurrence lately, is to, to have the AE kind of circle back with the SDR and say, hey, you sent me this opportunity. It looks like you know it was totally qualified. Next time, you know, on your qualification call, you might want to ask one more probing question about timeline, for instance, so that I can properly plan my pipeline. So Gong is really a critical tool for us to get this right. I also think, you know, if you're trying to talk about the day in the life of an SDR, you really have to showcase and share the things that you're doing well, but also admitting like where you feel like you're falling down as a team. We think about this really intentionally on my team. We um, every month we do a start, stop, continue. Sometimes it's it's really live in a team meeting. Sometimes it's anonymous feedback in a Google form, for instance. But we need to really be intentional about like, are we doing things that are slowing the process down for our prospects? Are we actually communicating with our AEs the things that are really important to what we hear on those qualification calls and those types of things? So Gong has been critical. And it's been really cool, honestly, because we have a competitive intelligence team that is always in there. We're always feeding feedback to them to say, hey, I talked to this prospect and they're talking to one of our competitors and they mentioned this. That's really like critical to understanding on the front end of the sales cycle. And we're hoping that we're helping scale that process as well. Yes. I mean, it seems like a natural, you know, communication channel to the product team and to, you know, intelligent, you know, research on, on competitors and things like that, because you're talking to people all day and they're probably just like, oh, okay, we're checking out Sprout and then this, these two other things. The more that you hear that, the more you can feed that back into the research team. Absolutely. And with, with Gong, do you have to, you, you have to record the calls, right? So do you have to tell the people that you're calling that you're recording the call? Yeah, we do. So we also use outreach and we just have a disclaimer at the front end of our phone calls. I'd be curious to hear like kind of your experience on that. I think it's something that a lot of people are talking a lot about lately. Honestly, when when I have one of my reps say, hey, you know, we're recording this call just for, you know, feedback and training purposes, I think prospects are used to it. It's increasingly rare that we have a prospect that's not willing to talk to us just because we're recording a a 10 minute phone call. Yeah. You know, I I think it's with inbound or if there's some sort of gesture that they've already made and then you're you're connecting and you're helping them along in the process and then you say something like that then sure why not right but i think it's where it's hard is outbound i mean because sometimes i get calls and and i pick up the phone and say hello and it says this call is being recorded and i'm like i don't even know who this is (laughs) so that's tough yeah. It's super tough. Yeah. It's definitely a challenge for Andrea is my counterpart who actually got in touch with you initially. And that's definitely something that she thinks a lot about. Because you need, I mean, you need that that intelligence that you're getting from Gong and those type of products so much. I mean, it's, it's you, as you're saying, I mean, they, they make such a huge impact with the training and with the intel and all that stuff, but it's hard to get on the outbound. I also wanted to ask you, start, stop, continue. 
tell me more about that. Like what, how do you run a meeting and use that? Cause I've never heard that one. Yeah. So this is something that I've been doing for quite a while borrowed it from one of my coworkers. And it really is kind of a monthly look back on what are the things that we want to start doing as a team or individuals? What do we want to stop doing? And what do we continue wanting to do? So a lot of that, when I think about that, the last month that we did it, I got feedback around three different areas. And I believe they were my individual one-on-ones. So how effective were those one-on-ones for my reps? team meetings. Were they a good use of time? What do you want to do? How can we get creative around, you know, making them fun and different and not always kind of status updates and then overall communication. So we use obviously email and Slack and obviously just talking to each other in person, but are we doing a good job as a team of, of communicating? And again, what do we want to start, stop and to continue to do when it comes to those themes? And so I think it's one of those things where you really need to constantly have a pulse on how your team is feeling. Sometimes it's hard to do as a leader. You sometimes get a feeling that people are frustrated or you get a feeling that your team is really hustling and they don't feel like they're being recognized, for instance. But it's really only until you kind of put it back on them to say, you know, you are a piece of this team and you have ownership over these types of decisions, and I am a leader that's willing to hear you out and to make those types of changes, if it is positive for our prospects, our company, and for you as an SDR. And so it's just kind of like this process that allows for open feedback. Again, Sprout is a place that really values transparency. So I definitely don't have everything figured out. There are definitely days and weeks when I fall down as a leader, and, and I, I pretty much know it in the moment at this point in time, but I can't really do it unless I have additional feedback from reps themselves. I think the interesting piece that we're really trying to drive is you should feel totally comfortable going to your leader or manager and saying, like, I have some ideas about how to make things better. So not always thinking about, like, oh, man, why does it have to be this way? Or why does Jenny forget to send her one-on-one notes out, for instance? You know, like, it's those types of things that can easily wear away on a sales organization if they just continue to fester. And I try to get ahead of that. I think it's really important to get that feedback and, and hopefully do it in a way that people are willing to share. That is awesome. And and so do they submit those anonymously or, or do you just, you have it out on the table, like at a meeting? Like, I, I think it would be hard for your average SDR to like tell the manager that, you know, hey, you're, you're not doing, <laughs> you're not doing yeah. something, you know? How yeah, does that work? So, I've done it two different ways. Most recently, it was an anonymous Google form. So I have no idea who submitted it. We didn't track the email addresses. And they just put in open comments. And I love that method. The method that I used before that was actually in a team meeting setting where that was the only goal of the meeting. So it needs to be a decent amount of time where people can kind of sink into it and think about these types of things. And so what we would do is we we would pass out like post-it notes and say, okay, for the next five to 10 minutes, we're all starting to think about start. So what do we want to start doing? And then they would put that post-it note up on the board, for instance, in in our conference room. And so it wouldn't really be like I would know exactly who had said that thing, but there would be some themes that would emerge. And then we would just have a conversation about that theme, for instance, and and get some ideas about how we could make some changes. Nice. Okay, cool. So so you've got a pretty transparent and open environment and and people are feel emboldened to do it, but that you also have the anonymous thing. Sometimes the anonymous thing is good. I mean, I send out surveys after the 
trainings that we do at 10 pound and I don't like it when they put their name because then it's like, <laughs> okay, you gave me feedback and now I know who you are. It's like, <laughs> can you just make it anonymous? But um, anyway. Yeah, sometimes it's easier. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. So, okay. So how do you stay organized with all this? Because you've got all these reports coming in. You've got all these people talking to you. You you have to stay on top of a conversion rates and everything on the inbound side. It's very complicated. There's a lot of numbers involved. How do you keep everything organized so that you can stay on top of the processes and the people and everything that goes into doing this? If I had that figured out, I would be a billionaire. (laughs) I really, I definitely don't have that figured out. I think it's something that is a constant struggle for me, but I guess I I can share some things that have helped. I, okay. So starting on the people side, I have weekly one-on-ones with every one of my reps. Some weeks that actually is a full 45 minute meeting that's focused on a specific topic. Some weeks, that's actually like a 15-minute check-in on pipeline, especially towards the end of a month, right, when we're just trying to hustle towards the finish line. So that is always on the calendar. I try to keep them regular and, and at the, the same time so they know what to expect. Team meeting once, once a week is really, you know, trying to think about an agenda that makes sense. If we don't really have anything actionable or if there isn't something that's like top of mind when it comes to like a training or enablement piece, I am in full support of canceling those team meetings. I think some other sales managers might actually think otherwise. I think giving time back is always a good thing. It's really not going to be a fruitful meeting. And then in terms of like tracking other projects, I think it's something, especially interdepartmentally. So really thinking about meeting with marketing on a regular basis, there isn't really like a method to the madness other than just constant communication. I try to document as much as I can. So I'm an Evernote user, have been for six years, I think. So I've got a treasure trove of just kind of thoughts and ideas. And then really what you have to think about on a monthly basis is like, okay, what are the one or two projects that like need to happen? And then trying to filter that into your calendar. Easier said than done. Our company really is is intentionally thinking about this as well. And I hope I'm not just saying like Sprout is so great at doing all these things, but I, I really do think that we think about these types of things a lot. So starting in 2019, we actually have no meeting Wednesdays. So that's a focus day for us. And then there are no internal meetings between 4 to 5 p.m. every day. Our CEO is super transparent. And the idea between the 4 to 5 meeting block is to, to wrap up your day so you don't have to take it home. Otherwise, we all get into this mode of, oh, I didn't get it done today. I need to go home and you know dedicate an hour to getting through my inbox. And I've definitely been you know a culprit of doing that. And sometimes I find it motivating. Sometimes it really just has a drain on my personal life as well. So try to think about intentionally turning off notifications, making sure I'm not refreshing email 20 times a day, those types of things. But it's it's hard. I mean, I, I think it's hard, especially on inbound, because if one of my reps has a question, I really don't want to be a barrier to a meeting happening. I don't want to slow down a sales process or a sales cycle for any prospect, especially because they came to us. So really kind of setting expectations around these are the types of situations where you should contact me and Slack me even if I'm in a meeting, or these are some other types of situations that you can solve on your own, or they've been documented in a playbook. So you always have those answers when you need them. Nice. Okay. So you're trying to balance it. You're, you're getting there. 
But when you become a billionaire, will you still do podcasts with me? Uh, I'll try. <laughs> okay, you promise. <laughs> you heard I her, I might folks. have some more time on my hands if I do, yes. Okay, because I, I need to figure that out too. But I mean, it sounds like you got everything under control. You must be doing a good job because, you know, you got recommended. So let me ask you this. The, it seems like, I'm going to shift gears a little bit, but this is related to Outbound. It seems like the way that business buyers are changing is it's becoming more along the lines of how we buy anything as a consumer, right? And there's a this theme of like conversational marketing, you know, that comes out where that you can get your questions answered instantly and people are just always on. So have you tackled the whole chat feature and how does that integrate with your other inbound processes? Yeah, this is when I talk about the one to two projects that I'm focused on this month, that's definitely the one that I'm dedicating a lot of time to. So because we have that in trial model, we have, we have chat within the trial and my team has taken that on as of Q3. And it's been a really cool learning process, I think, again, for my early sellers that aren't as product focused as account executives. You know, you don't really need to be the product expert when you're on the front lines, but you do need to understand how to properly qualify. So now that we're really stepping into chat and within that trial experience, we've had to flex some more of those like product specific and feature specific questions and muscles so that we we really know how to handle that that prospect and make sure that they're they're happy within that experience. So really what the the project that we're thinking about is is on-site chat. It's not a surprise. I think a lot of other sales dev orgs are ahead of us, to be honest. And and I think others are really kind of where we are, where we're we're dabbling a little bit. You know, you've got players in this space like Drift and Intercom, and you've got tools like Salesforce and Zendesk that also have the same capabilities. And, you know, I think that all of those tools really can can help surface those sales opportunities. And it's really just thinking about how to staff appropriately, working with marketing to test on the appropriate pages. And then turning it into ultimately an, an entirely new pipeline source for Sprout Social. So it's interesting. I'm psyched about this project. I think there's so much opportunity that can come from it. And so I'm really kind of in the introductory phase of thinking about chat. But I'd be curious to hear kind of like your thoughts about why why chat really is kind of like the next line when it comes to like new marketing sources and what you've seen in the in, in the marketing space as well. Yeah, I mean, I, I think that, you know, people want instant answers and they want everything instantly. Everything is instant. Like you, you can go on and order dinner from, you know, Uber Eats and you can get instant Netflix, binge watch the office and you instantly, you know, download a book and read it on your Kindle. I mean, it's just, it's the way that people are used to doing. And then they go to a business site and it's like, fill out a form and we'll call you back in three weeks or, or never, you know, I mean, some of the statistics are crazy on, on inbound. I'm sure that your team calls them back instantly, but a lot of companies, it's like 50 50%, they never respond. They just put you into like an email drip and that goes into your spam folder and you never hear from them again. Yeah. So I, I think that on the flip side though, and what I, I want to ask you about too, is like, how do you handle the scheduling? Because I don't think that the bots are like ready yet to really interact. I mean, it might be in a few years, but you still kind of need a human. But if you go on and you chat something and then it's like, 
there's nobody there, it kind of almost ruins the experience of the chat. So how do you handle that whole scheduling piece? Yeah. So within the in-trial experience, so I think it's, it's different. It might sound really similar, but within the trial, because we're interfacing with support, so support would handle anybody that's also within our app. We take on anybody that's in trial, but if we are unavailable or we have too many chats coming in at one point in time, we actually do have a second line of defense. So it's not just our team taking those things on. Obviously, we would want 100% coverage on those sales opportunities. My team is currently on a rotational model. So it's very similar to what support might do in order to you know, handle c- customers in all time zones. So they have like a half day shift that they run. And then again, if they get overloaded, then at least they have somebody else that can take them on while, while that happens. But I think for, for onsite, I am of the belief that it has to be a dedicated role. And then you need to work with marketing to make sure that you're not actually flooding that person. You know, there's this whole conversation about proactive or reactive chat. Are you proactively identifying, you know, your ICP on the website or are you reacting to just whenever somebody tries to start a chat with you? Your point about bots is really interesting. I do think you're right. I think that there needs to be a certain level of qualification and proper routing and just knowledge that you need about that person when the chat comes in. But you have to find that fine line of like, it's the same thing as like a form, right? Like you're not going to have a form that has 10 fields because you're going to hurt your conversions. You're not going to have a bot that really asks 10 questions because that person's just going to give up and abort. So I think that there's always that fine line of trying to figure out your volume and your quality on inbound. That is really interesting on onsite chat because it's real time. It's interesting also, I, I've talked to a lot of people that have implemented chat in a model that's similar to ours. And what they say is, you know, well, chat is like something that, you know, if something goes wrong or if something really is like happening with your coverage schedule, for instance, you can always turn it off. And my idea is that, you know, you would want to implement that so that it is a constant pipeline source. I don't want to turn it off. I want to roll it out in a way that, you know, is intentional and we have the coverage that we need and we're not going to be overloaded. Obviously, that's easier said than done, but I do think that kind of conversation about the the volume and the quality piece, especially when it comes to the, the qualification before the chat actually happens, is something that we're going to be thinking a lot about here in Q1. Yeah, I mean, it's tricky to try to have somebody on there. It would be really cool if you could see what the company is. I know that Drift, I'm a customer of Drift, and they have that as one of their options. It's in some package that's like, I can't afford to buy right now. But it would be cool if one of your target ICPs was on there and you could just jump on there and be like, hey, you know, proactively, that would be awesome. But, you know, the other a couple of things is one, I'll get a chat for like a totally random chat. It's usually from overseas. It's in the middle of the night and they're just like, Hey, do you want to chat? And I'm like, come on, dude. <laughs> like, really? <laughs> like, you know, it's just like, you're killing me right now. And then the other thing that happened is I remember I was really excited to get chat when I was working at a company and I got chat and we assigned the SDRs and a, you know, a round robin on the chat and everybody was all set. And then the VP of marketing just like got on and tested it and nobody responded. And so that like ruined his whole thing about chat. <laughs> I was like, God, oh, that's interesting. But, so it, it's, there's a lot of things. And I'll tell you last quick chat story. So I got drift. I put it on the website. I didn't know how it set it up or anything. And they have an app for your watch. Like, so you can get a notification on your watch when somebody's chatting you. 
So I'm I'm out water skiing in Lake Tahoe. I was literally water skiing in Lake Tahoe. And I'm just about to say, hit it, you know? And I get this chat on my watch from a, like a really good prospect. And I start taking it. And people in the boat are like, dude, what is wrong with you? Are you drowning or something? So anyways. Hey, no, that's that's real time. You know, you can do that. Though. Real time. Yeah. I think I think it's a hugely powerful medium. And I just think that it's the wave of the future to be able to interact with people in real time. That's awesome. But you got to set it up right, which it sounds like you're tackling. Yeah. So, well, good. So I, what is next for you? What are you, you've got the conversational marketing, your processes are in place. What are you excited about over the next couple of months? Yeah, I think, you know, not to go back to the chat conversation, but that's that's definitely like my my baby right now. I think just in terms of like where Sprout is going, I think it's really interesting. The social media space obviously is is one that is constantly changing. We're seeing a lot of our competitors either, you know, fold or actually, you know, be acquired by larger companies. And I think that really just kind of speaks to where our space is going. Again, we think social media is non-negotiable for modern business. And there are a lot of companies that are really just kind of waking up to that fact. So the fact that we really have a massive market that we can tackle, I think, is is constantly motivating to me as, as a leader, but especially as, as a salesperson. So I think that really what we're going to be focused on here in the next couple months is thinking about how we can really refine the inbound funnel even more than we have. Thinking about things like, obviously, we have marketing automation in place, but perfecting that so that we don't actually have a ton of rep noise getting chat. And then for me personally, I think I have been thinking a lot about kind of marketing strategy lately. And I think the operations piece that we talked about earlier is one that I'm increasingly curious about. So I'm looking to dip my toe in a little bit more of the analytics and and understanding some of those triggers that I haven't identified yet, because I think it actually could be a big business driver for us. And we've got a ton of opportunity that is coming through the inbound funnel. It's just how to make sense of that that noise sometimes. Yes. I mean, it's definitely, if you're more of an analytical person, you're good with numbers, you're good with spreadsheets, you're good with pie charts and all that stuff, which I'm not, as you can probably tell, based on the prep for this podcast, you know, it's a wonderful opportunity, I think, in the sales development world to get into the analytics. I don't think that we, there's not like a huge emphasis on the analytics and really optimizing the inbound funnel, uh, which, which you're starting to really dial in. And I think that that will be an awesome opportunity in the future for people that are more analytical that get into our space. Yeah. Yeah. I sure hope so. That's the idea. (laughs) Yeah. Well, great. Well, thank you so much for jumping on and sharing your wisdom. I think everyone got some really good tips for optimizing their inbound and, you know, hopefully optimizing their chat and not getting interrupted in the middle of the night by people. (laughs) And I just appreciate you coming on. And I've got your, your LinkedIn link here. We'll put in the show notes, but is that the best way to get in touch with you if someone wants to connect? Yeah, that's absolutely right. Yeah. LinkedIn is always the best way. And thank you so much for having me on. I think this is a really fascinating conversation. And again, we could probably talk for hours about a lot of these topics. So it's, it's been fun. Yes, definitely. After you've had a chance to dial in the operations more and you kind of delve into that world more, we'll get you back on and see what you learn there. So sounds good. Fantastic. I look forward to it. All right, Jenny. Thank you so much. All right. We'll see ya. 
Thank you for listening to the Sales Development Podcast, the only audio forum 100% focused and dedicated to sales development with your host, David Delaney. Please be sure to subscribe to the show on YouTube and take a moment to leave us a review on iTunes. Your support makes our show possible. If you are struggling with your sales development program, contact us at 10bound.com for a no-obligation exploratory call. Again, that's 10bound.com.